Welcome to App Talk with Uptick, where we dig into the nitty gritty of how to grow apps and games. We speak with industry experts about specific strategies, tools, and tactics they use to find success. And we keep you up to date with emerging news and trends in the ever-changing games, marketing, and technology ecosystem. My name is Andrew Agosta, Director of Marketing here at Uptick. And joining me today are my co-host. Warren Woodward, co-founder of Uptick. And our guest. Hi, I'm Bojana. I'm co-founder and CEO of Gamey. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Bojana. Yeah, thank here. you so much for coming on today. We've we've been uh, playing with your platform the last few weeks and really excited to dig in and explore it more and explore different models for Web3 game publishing. Awesome. Looking forward. Yeah. Um, so we did the uptick Animoca Brands, Axie Infinity, and Arrive Joint webinar last week. Uh, if you have not checked it out, highly recommend going to our website, uptick.com backslash webinars and checking out lots of really good insight and content there. Um, so yeah, I just want to give that a shout out and thanks everyone for participating. Cool. Our first section is industry insights, where we do a deep dive into industry news. Warren, do you want to take us away with our first couple of articles? Yeah. So we're, we're actually going to cover a pair of articles. Um, the first one is interesting. It's interestingly, these are both referencing DAP radar data for uh, Web3 metaverse and gaming participation. Um, this first one is from Coindesk, and this is an article that went pretty viral the last few weeks. Uh, the headline is, it's lonely in the metaverse. DAP radar data suggests Decentraland has 38 daily active users in its $1.3 billion ecosystem. So this was really making the rounds both in uh, Web3 and traditional press uh, the last week or two. Um, and we were already planning on covering it, but then we also had a, a big report that came out from DAP Radar that has some interesting counter metrics, even though both are you know, both are referencing uh, DAP Radar data. So anyway, what was this controversial report? Uh, so just a couple of quick poll quotes from the Coin CoinDesk article. Data from DAP Radar suggests the metaverse platforms Decentraland and the Sandbox each have fewer than 1,000 daily active users despite $1 billion valuations. Uh, that's that's for um, the 30, 38 is what they counted for Decentraland and uh, for the Sandbox, they counted 522 active users at this time. Uh, however, it's important to note that as an active user, according to DapRadar, this is a, they defined it as a unique wallet address interacting with the platform smart contract. So I think one thing that's important to clarify is what that what this article is calling a daily active user is very different what we normally call in gaming. So um, they're specifically counting when they're saying you know, and, and to be clear, this is this is not a good number. Like when we're saying that there's there's 38 uh, active active wallets, but this is basically the subset of players that not only logged in and played, but made some sort of smart contract transaction. For a lot of these games, you don't actually have to do that to, to play. So, you know, maybe the closest analogy here is like in mobile gaming, uh, someone who actually made a purchase, which is like a smaller subset of the population, a very small subset of the population on any given day. Um, yeah, so uh, there was a response from uh, Sam Hamilton, the creative director at Decentraland, who said the platform uh, actually has an average of about 8,000 uh, active users per day, if you count users that are you know just playing on the platform. Uh, the sandbox also disputed the methodology. So, yeah, I don't know. I think part of this, like, th there's no way to spin this, even the numbers from um, from the platforms. Um, and this is say nothing about the potential of these platforms. Uh, but, you know, participation is down in Web3 Gaming. We're, we're still early and everything has taken a hit in the bear market. Um, but we did want to at least, like, kind of sh shed some light on what these metrics mean, what they don't. Um, and then 
yeah, go, go ahead, Bazen. Did you have a, a comment? Yeah, absolutely. I like. I think this this topic is really is really interesting, and it touches on multiple points. Right. One topic is how is the industry doing in this market. Another topic is how can we measure? Uh, how can we measure Web three? And are the metrics we currently have are are they good enough? And I think the like you touched a little bit on on both. Uh, maybe starting with the metrics is um, what is really cool about Web3 is that you have part of the metrics public and anybody can check the on-chain activity. It's public. Everybody can see. It's just there. However, <laughs> in gaming, and especially in our industry, in, in mobile casual gaming, but that's the same case for Sandbox and Decentraland, not everything has to happen on-chain. It's actually not helping. And it's like when I'm speaking especially about Arcade, for example, we have the same situation, like we have activity engagement within the platform, but there is only subset of that that shows on the radar. And the reason being is it does not really make sense to push everything on chain and every right. little interaction to um, to interact with the smart contract and put that into a decentralized data database. Imagine that Arcade is a mobile casual app and over time it had 100 million gameplays served on the platform. There is no use for them, all of them to be on chain because these are hyper casual games, right? So there is a balance of, and also the, the depth of the usage. So not, not all of the users go all the way as to mint an NFT or trade, uh, but the activity is there. So like the, the title is certainly a little bit clickbaity. <laughs> it does, yeah. it does uh, attract attention, unfortunately, not a great one. And Web3 did not have a super positive PR all the way, so it's not helping, but it's, a, it's just what we have. So, like, what the metrics, the, the type of metrics we have, the more projects would share, what is the rest of the event, the rest of the engagement, they do it and there are reports that they share it, but it's not public. So the Web3 hardcore <laughs> people would look only on, on on the metrics that are on chain and we just have to take that with the interpretation this is the bot this, like this is the bottom of the funnel this is really a, as as you as you made this comparison would relate to how many people actually paid for example in a free to play game etc yeah, those are good comments. I, and Xander, I want to go to you here first, but I, I also want to reference the uh, the recent report from DapRadar. We'll link it in the podcast. It's a really nice report, quite in-depth, um, free free report, uh, but this is the DapRadar Q3 2022 games report. Um, uh, of note, uh, $1.3 billion was raised in Q3 for blockchain games and metaverse projects. Um, despite the hard con harsh conditions, Web3 games continue to be a driving force for the DAP industry and Q3 gaming activity accounted for almost half of all the blockchain activity tracked by DAP Radar across 50 networks with 912,000 daily active unique wallets interacting with game smart contracts in September. Alien Worlds and Splinterlands remain the two most played Web3 games with over 160,000 daily UAW registered in September. I would add a personal caveat here. Like this is again using the, um, the, the metric of you know, writing to a contract per day. Uh, and to Bazena's point, there's different game design philosophies and, and schools of thought here. Like there's some designers that are, I'd say more on the purist side of keep as much of the game on chain as possible and other design schools where it's more about making as accessible as possible and reduce what you actually have to write on chain to the absolute bare minimum in order to minimize transactions. So to your point, Bazena, of like the metrics that we choose to measure success really matter. Like this is not normalized, you know? Um, 
And so, sorry, one, one other uh, pull quote from this. Um, the Sandbox itself launched its alpha season three with over 200,000 daily users visiting multiple experiences from renowned bands, brands like The Walking Dead. So interesting here, we have two metrics from DAP Radar for, from the Sandbox, and we can kind of see this disparity uh, from the same data source of, you know, around a thousand for the sandbox that actually uh, wrote a smart contract transaction. Meanwhile, there was uh, 200,000 daily users that had some sort of experience, some sort of gameplay inside the sandbox. Um, yeah, so I think this is two interesting perspectives and things I love is they're from the same data source. Uh, Xander, maybe go to you first here for, for comments. Um, what, do you, what do you think about this different positioning? How should we think about healthy Web3 engagement versus you know, fluff metrics? Yeah, I don't think there's anything particularly mm -hmm. new here. Um, the decentralized data is, no matter how you slice it, a little bit scary. Uh, just because that is, that, even if you multiply it by 1,000 or 10,000, like it's still, you're talking about very, very small fish compared to a lot of, mm -hmm. a lot of other things. That, that being said, like, I mean, their business is not purely based on DAO. So, you know, that could still be a healthy business, even if it's not a super healthy game. Um, I also would guess that these uh, metrics pulled from Sandbox are probably like the peak of their engagement, right? So 200K daily active users when they launch their new experiences. That, I mean, that's that's respectable relative to everything else we're seeing. Um, but I imagine yeah. that they're sort of cherry, cherry picking the top of it. So I, I think the reality is probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, we know it largely Web3 is a nascent space. These are both people basically saying arguing both sides either saying it's completely dead or saying hey no this is respectable and growing i think i skew towards it's respectable and growing although it's probably not as big as people want to uh, you know articulate it to be yeah you can you can paint the narrative that you want to paint depending on which side of the war that you're on uh Bazana, do you have do you have any more comments um uh and maybe specifically about that that deeper uh dap radar report if you got to check it out so I, I thought it was um, is interesting if you if you think about how games are created to create a good game, even in web two or web one, which whichever you want, it takes years to create a good game, and the moment when uh, you even soft launch a game in web three, you suddenly have all the metrics public, and if you look if you compare to web two game that goes into soft launch or alpha or however you want to call it. These metrics do not go public until you know they're at a certain level. So mm -hmm. that is the, like the transparency is like double-edged sword uh, in some cases. Well, because you go out, it's out there, it's on chain. Everybody observes, analyzes, and and maybe in some cases it's like the game is not ready for for scale, full scaling. Like it really takes years to create a great game. And that's one that's one angle. And uh, otherwise, I think it's all about, it's all about volume versus value i would not compare necessarily all of the all of the games like is it enough users because the value of users and volume differs very much in our case in like hyper casual games will be a large uh, amount of users that are very light touch on web3 compared to some other uh games that may have a smaller pool of users but they're like completely savvy in defy they create pools uh they completely control and vote on the uh, make decisions about the game in, in our case, it's, we're on the opposite side of the spectrum. Our mission is onboarding users into Web3. And oftentimes, it's the first wallet the person owns. Like they're owning their first token. They're on a path to earn their first NFT. And every time we we um, we introduce voting and starting to make decisions, like enable people make decisions around the game, we, we see how far we are. If, if you really take somebody that's... Mm -hmm completely new to Web3 and you're taking them through this path inside the game, 
it takes a lot of effort. It's yeah. it's really a lot. Like we have we have a very large free-to-play uh, gaming community. We have 40 million registered users on free-to-play. And now we're building up the, the path to make them understand, okay, this is Web3, this is ownership. And you have yes. to take it slowly because if you, it has to be seamless. So you don't just like, you, you don't lose people in the complexity, but if you make it too seamless, uh, they they don't understand what's happening. Right. <laughs> like you yeah, hide, this, this, you hide all the tech and the concepts, and they're onboarded, but they don't even know about it. So, those like, are great points, Rosanna. <laughs> that definitely mirrors like our own learnings. You know, our company initially started, you know, focusing more on traditional mobile and, and PC games, and as we went deeper and deeper into marketing Web three games, we really had to learn and pivot our own marketing strategies. You you have to, as you said, basically take a potential player on a journey, on an onboarding journey. You can't just show them an ad. Put them into the experience and like the transaction is done you really have to kind of educate and hold the hand because for better or for worse like onboarding mm -hmm. is still a lot more complex in web3 absolutely absolutely and that takes time we, we launched arcade uh it was end of last year and it it's it's like compared to dabs and web3 it's it's one of the top games that has con consistently had mm -hmm. an active and large audience but still to go to the numbers of casual style games with tens and hundreds of millions of players this is the way to go there is a way how to make that it just takes time even for us to figure out how right. do we tell the story that's captivating and interesting understandable enough for yeah, people for the first time one of the things that i think was really interesting about using arcade a little bit is just how easy it is to set up an arcade wallet to the point where like if you don't know what a wallet is you might not know that it even happened for you right and that's i think that's when i was when i was playing with it that was one of the things i realized is like if you're a free-to-play user and you have no idea you don't you might not even understand that you had i think you just referenced that and I, i'm sure we'll talk about that more later in the episode as we do a deep dive here <laughs> yes on that on that note since we want to get into the meat of it with Bozena, why don't we go to our next story sure so this next one is abandoned company report entitled level up the future of video games is bright um and i'll just read a couple of pull quotes uh and we can sort of discuss why i think it's interesting so bain's an analysis forecasts that global revenue for games could grow by more than 50 percent over the next five years three big trends are are charging the video game industry better technology metaverse style environments and new monetization models as competition increases scale will be even more important since big games are expensive to make and require a massive global audience to succeed there's a ton of other actually relatively interesting insights from this report so i definitely recommend people uh, digging into it but uh one of the things that this article really does is basically bain is re-articulating and like quantifying the trends that we uh, we talk about every week on this podcast and specifically they talk about the meta metaverse new monetization um models such as subscription web3 tech and uh stuff like you know they, they talk about how important it is for scale as, as the industry grows we've talked about that as a theme a lot how MA is really going to be critical for the winners of the next generation and that the investment throughput is insane so you know what's interesting to me about this article is that you have someone who's a, basically a highly one of the most highly respected consultancy companies in the world and um beating the drum the same drum that we've been beating for the last year and i'm not sure how to feel about that i mean i think yeah. largely it's probably a good thing you know i i, I feel like it's a it is a sign that we are on the right path. Um, but that being said, whenever someone agrees with me, I always start questioning my opinion. And so <laughs> sort of landing on both sides of this, but yeah. it, it's a pretty interesting article. Definitely recommend checking out the report because it, if you haven't been thinking about this very deeply, it articulates it very clearly in a couple, you know, in 10 minute read. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, well, well said Xander. I mean, I think one of the things that like upticks thesis on where we're at and Bozena, I would love your thoughts here is we're, we're really at a transitional 
period in gaming right now where we're starting to see some of the first weakness in some traditional gaming established gaming seconds for the segments for the first time in a long time. And we see the funding and talent going into Web3, but it's not there yet as far as like products fully being on market. A lot is being built. There's a lot of, you know, early, a lot of the first to market are not the strongest products, you know, in the rush to market. And so I'm curious, Bozena, do you, do you have a similar sense of like that we're kind of transitioning eras or do you feel that like Web3 is just going to be another era that or another model that layers on top while existing gaming models continue to thrive? Mm -hmm. It's yeah, super interesting. I, I thought the best news about the report was that um, gaming is going to like gaming is growing and it's it's going to grow. <laughs> so no matter no matter what is the technology that's powering the growth, that's just like a super powerful story by itself. Because if you look back a couple of years, it gaming was a niche industry. It was something that like sits aside, and then there was a moment where. Um, where uh, gaming business-wise became bigger than than the movie and music industry combined. And we suddenly went from a place where gaming was side onto gaming was on the main stage. It was the uh, it was an inspiration for movies. It was books turned into games and movies into games. And suddenly it was part of the culture as well as sport as well as major investments and things started to happen inside games as well. So it was not only entertainment, but we saw many major events, culture, but also life events. And 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 we are witnessing a generation <laughs> that's um, younger than us, that's growing up um, socially heavily connected through games. And that was accelerated through COVID because we were all remote school or work, whatever. But games were one of the major ways how people especially young people connected with each other with each other and this is something they stay that stayed and i think that is a major there is a major skill that changes the future of how people will interact with each other how they will expect entertainment to be like but also the future of work and how does that relate to web3 and why why is this important because gaming is taking a major stage in not as a side entertainment, one of the one million things, but one of the one of the centers, and uh, the, just the technology of Web three adds another layer of that, the the ownership part, that suddenly changes the mindset of people from um, receiver of entertainment or like even active participant into an entrepreneur. What is it that I own, and what I can build with that? Yeah, and that is the most. That is the most fascinating thing, and why what I love about Web3 gaming is that you clearly see the intersection between entertainment, education, finance, all meaning yes. in one. And, and I like your description of of Web3 as as a layer, and, and 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 you know I think that's better better positioning of it than what I said is sort of it's not so much a transition like oh now everything is Web3. It's like now we have this very valuable layer where I think uh, in the future. If you're making a new game, it will just be a regular question that you ask early on in the design process of, is there a meaningful way to use these tools? Will this make this a better game? Yeah, yeah I think another interesting point that you called out was just the the delta in game usage versus social media in the different generations. So one thing that this call, the report calls out is, if you're under 17, the number one app uh, entertainment you have across music social media television is games and it's by, it's by several hours a week over social media and that's reverse for people over 17 and so my thought and my question is like how does that trend over the next like call it five years does that trend hold where, where games are your predominant 
form of entertainment and engagement with your peers is ab above social media or does that start to normalize and my guess is it, it will normalize a bit but it, i think gaming will sustain as they see the predominant form of engagement for people of that age cohort so um yeah it's an interesting thing to call i mean it's a, it's a good time to be in gaming and it has been for quite <laughs> some time and... <laughs> absolutely speaking yeah, of gaming right. <laughs> speaking of gaming eating all traditional media uh want to cover this next article Warren. Yeah, so uh, we've been tracking the moves of Gabe Layden, formerly of Machine Zone, now fronting a limit break. And here is the most recent big move announced. Uh, so this adventure beat headline, uh, Gabe Layden's limit break pl plans $6.5 million Super Bowl ad for NFT game. So a couple of quick quotes. Limit Break, a blockchain technology uh, company headed by game, Gabe Layden, has purchased a $6.5 million ad for its Digidigaku Digi game at the Super Bowl. The 30-second ad will enable Limit Break to show off Digidigaku Digi in a commercial at Super Bowl uh, LV11. Uh, sorry, my Roman, Roman numerals are not so good. In February uh, 2023, also shows I don't watch a lot of football. Uh, it's going to be the third time that Layden has a Super Bowl ad. While CEO of Machine Zone, Layden ran a couple of Super Bowl ads for Game of War and Mobile Strike. Those ads starred model Kate Upton and actor Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay, so uh, Gabe is going back to his playbook, going big, trying to take all the air out of the room. Um, it's it's interesting that when when Machine Zone ran these ads back in the day, they were very controversial. Depending on who you talked to, they were like massively industry changing or setting money on fire. I think you know only a few really know the truth behind that. Uh, but but you know it seems like every year the last couple of years we've had big um, kind of crypto or blockchain moments tied to the Super Bowl. A lot of those have been more hype than necessarily panned out. Um, but I'm curious if you think that this is a smart move. Uh, what you two think of, you know, Gabe buying buying primetime uh, real estate for for his new project? I have thoughts, but does anyone go first? <laughs> I'm not a big I'm not a big consumer of Super Bowl. Right? What what I what I find interesting in this story is that Super Bowl is still doing incredible job in convincing people to buy these ads. Yeah. I don't know what's right. the relationship <laughs> and what the actual impact is, but what is really fascinating fascinating is that they can still sell it like this is something traditional even old school if you want and it still makes the headlines just because it's expensive and a lot of people obviously that's if you compare it to like this is really kind of old school way to advertise compared to how, how the young generation looks at discord equals law like what's on discord that's true compared to super bowl ads this is right. an interesting dynamic <laughs> yeah i mean the super bowl does it is my understanding it is still the number one watched event on at least u.s television so you are getting like 50 million impressions right which is i mean that's not not terrible does the math work out on was it 6.5 million for 50 million impressions I mean, no. it's not <laughs> spoiler no <laughs> I, mean, I mean i'm a little bit skeptical i mean what he said in the article is like people remember those ads for years the the one the previous ones he ran on the super bowl um but then at the end of the day machine zone ended up selling for basically a 2x uh, valuation of their total fundraising over a 10 year life cycle. So that's not like a huge win for venture capitalist standards, right? You're looking for a hundred X return. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of sort of the business strategy that, that, that business has made it to execute overall. I mean, clearly they were the biggest and loudest person machine zone, like basically dominated the mind space of the mobile ecosystem for a decade. And I'm curious to see how this next piece turns out. I think for the web three community, this is great. 
you know, regardless of what happens, if you're a gamer in Web3 community and someone's going to spend six and a half million dollars yelling about Web3 games, just do it. Do 10 Super Bowl commercials. Like, I don't give a crap. Uh, it's really good. The question is, are they going to be able to capture the zeitgeist of the Super Bowl ad and then convert it into meaningful downstream metrics for their game? I mean, we'll see. I don't know. Or we won't but, see. <laughs> a, a couple of comments. If Gabe was here with us today, he would probably point out like in his uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, et cetera, he really clarifies the years he ran Machine Zone and I think okay. tries to separate from the, you know, the last few that, uh, you know, were past its, its glory days. Again, who knows uh, how much of a role uh, he paid in, played in the, uh, you know, the eventual demise. Um, another thing I think about with this too is, is, I think part of the value here is not the commercial itself. It's that the whole industry talks about this. Yep. Um, and one thing that Machine Zone and Gabe was really good at is being the beacon for top talent. Um, and this is a way to plant a flag and say like, hey, if you want to work in Web3 games, uh, you know, we are going to own the space. You know, whether that's true or not, we'll see. We'll see. But like, they're definitely planting that flag and and saying like, we're going to dominate this space. If you're serious about a career in Web3 gaming, this is this should be your number one choice. Not saying that I agree or disagree with that, but I think that's honestly part of the value of making a move like this. Yeah, I totally agree. This is an ad for a limit break as much as it is, is, it, right. is an ad for DigiDigDoc. I can't pronounce it, whatever. Okay, uh, any other thoughts here, Bazena, before we move on to our main topic? Um, um, I think we can close, yeah. Awesome, cool. Let's move on to our main interview. We'll talk about Web3 game publishing in the context of Hypercasual and talk about Arcade 8, Arcade, and all the other pieces of it. Um, so just to, to start off, tell us a bit, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your background, what game he is, and what you're doing there? Yep. Um, I have been in mobile gaming industry for eight years, and we founded Game Me as the company eight years ago with the same founding theme. So we've been together for quite some time, and we started uh, with a vision and we continue building on the vision with different tech over time to connect people through flights. And we picked the platform to be mobile um, because it's very accessible and casual also very accessible. So we were thinking and, and we were looking into uh, how do you connect people and build community over a series of casual style games that would people would stay with you over long longer periods of time because in, in mobile, especially casual gaming, what is a fact is it's easy to uh, come in and start playing a game and it's also equally easy to leave the game and go for doing something completely different right so uh, uh, me and the team we were looking into how can we how can we create some type of a meta game or glue around series of casual style games that would enable us to build a large community that stays with us over time and one of the answers was uh, web3 because the ownership is a very strong glue <laughs> Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Um, can you talk a little bit about what your core product is, the Arcade app, and how that sort of fits into the overall ecosystem? It's a pretty interesting uh, realization of a mobile game today, which is something a lot of these games don't have. Web3 games don't exist, but this exists today. And then it bridges pretty cleanly to the Web3 ecosystem. So just can you talk a little bit about what it is, how it works, sort of for the initiated, maybe describe what a launchpad is maybe for people who don't know what that mm -hmm. is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, we launched Arcade uh, about 10 months ago. And it was exactly the same vision as I described. It's a mobile app on iOS uh, or Android. And it's a place you go to to play casual style games and competitions in those games. There is a very seamless onboarding, as you described. So you come to Arcade, we open a wallet, and you start play playing first games. Uh, you can earn gaming token. And then uh, the first token, then you invest that into getting into other games and matches. Uh, there are 
different NFTs that enable you to play games that are otherwise unavailable. So this is a uh, this is a series of uh, games and experiences that change uh, with with seasons. So Arcade has seasonality of two months, and every two months we bring in new content, new partners, new rewards. So there is um, something going on above the casual style games that makes it uh, fresh. There is a long uh, long list of partners that we have been collaborating with uh, on Arcade, and um, we, we have started looking into, do we have to run all those events and contests ourselves? Does it always have to be our token? Does it always have to be our NFTs? And the answer is, it does not, right? <laughs> because there is this beautiful thing that's called interoperability. So we started working into enabling and uh, enabling other tokens to be rewards, enabling other NFTs to be uh, an entry ticket to uh, to a game, and uh, this way we have partnered with multiple projects, with with uh, Sandbox, with Tower, with Cool Cats recently, with Atari, and um, it, it's it's a super interesting and seamless way how you can invite a community over um, to another one, how to how to create these bridges. So um, you own an example, you own a Cool Cat NFT, you come to Arcade. And based on that NFT, you get access to um, a gaming contest and you can win. Um, I think there were some un unminted Cool Cats NFTs. It was, a, it was a contest sponsored by Polygon's Matic. So there were multiple parties involved. People absolutely love it. They, they're looking forward for new events, who's going to be the next partner, who's going, to, who's going to be the next thing. But as you hear me describe that, it's still very much centralized. It's the team that decides about okay, this is going to be the season, these are going to be the partners, and we make the deal with the partner, then we introduce it to, to the players. And that's not the, that's not the end goal. So we're working hard with the team uh, towards an end goal where all these events are run by the community itself. So they will be able to organize their custom tournament, decide about the prize pool, uh, decide which NFTs allow you to do what, and completely customize the experience, including some modifications of those games. That should not be only big brands or projects, but that should also be individuals, groups of friends, gaming guilds, anybody who wants to play with a sm small group or large group should be able to do that. And that's the idea of, of Arcade, where we are taking Arcade to be, but this is a gradual step. I don't, I don't think it's a, there is a good way how, um, how to do decentralization in such a project from day one. I'm still very much focused on um, on the iterative process of which metrics matter first and which second. So, for example, if the if the platform as a product does not have a strong retention over time, like the day first, day seven, day thirty, it does not make make sense to go deeper and build more and more layers on complexity. So, it's super important to have all these metrics right and only add more than. Bozana, I'd like to dig a little bit deeper into some design choices for for the platform. Um, and admittedly, uh, you know, I've I've only had a few experiences within Arc Eight, but it's all all the games are within the Arc Eight app, right? You're not pushing right. people to external app. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure. You've, have you been tracking like Vessel, the new app launched from App App Eleven? That's like their Web three offering. It's a bit of there's some things that overlap, but they took a different approach of essentially. Everything is an external app, so there's like a there's like a you know, a token that they use between them and interoperable NFTs. But 
um, you know, it's all pushed to separate apps. I'm, I'm curious if you have opinions on, um, you know, the, the pros and cons of, of centralizing all gameplay experiences to, to one app versus people pushing people to disparate apps in the, in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I think it depends what do, what is the part that you like to see decentralized. Uh, in case it's it's the content and you would like to see various contents, more some more premium, some more um, by third party, any type of content, it perhaps makes more sense to uh, design the structure as as you described on the app loving case. Um, I do not, I'm not super familiar with the product to be honest. With their, with it's their it's pretty new. It was just announced a couple of weeks ago. We're going to do a deep dive with them in a, in a couple of weeks, and I think it'll be really interesting mm -hmm. to unpack their model versus yours because I, I see pros and cons to 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 both. I think for casual. It's actually in, really nice to have everything in one place. In, in our case, the, it's it's the decentralization does not go after individual games, but it's about mm -hmm. managing managing the contests, managing the tournaments, um, setting custom parameters of these over games that we offer and we create. Right. So the the decentralization is actually on managing the community rather than on creating the games. And in that case, um, it makes a lot of sense to uh, to keep the gaming close <laughs> close mm -hmm. to each other uh, so it's seamless it's really easy to flow from one to another and you can connect any type of game to any type of content contest well, and it's also it's, it's just very clever from a business perspective because what you're enabled to do is you basically own the relationship with the customer to a certain extent and as it, you can be as pie in the sky as you want about decentralization at the end of the day we're games making games businesses and to that extent it's important that you're able to own the relationship with the customer because that relationship is what actually drives monetization in the modern era. And so I think in that case, it's really it's really clever because you're giving value to these people and to the other parts of the ecosystem, helping to, to lift them up. But also you have a direct, uh, direct relationship with the customer and you're trying to continue to drive more value over time to them. And that's it's just a very clever way of setting it up. Say when you say, hey, we're onboarding people, we get to control relationship, but also we're going to help draw the ecosystem overall. And it really does outline incentives in a way that like not a lot of uh, these systems will necessarily do. Um, one question I had is about how mobile, how you've had, how difficult or not difficult it's been to navigate the fact that it's a Web3 app on mobile, specifically like through the iOS process. Because imagine, you know, one of the things is like, they basically weren't letting, for a while they like weren't letting people launch apps and um, Web3 apps and now they kind of are and there's like some gray area. Can you talk a little bit about what that process has been like? And if you've had to make any monetization decisions, strategy decisions to make sure that you're compliant on those platforms? Mm -hmm. So we have a we have a long experience of working with with Apple and Apple's guidelines <laughs> as, as we managed right. to overstep some of them in the past prior to Web3. It's not that hard if you if right. you try to do something innovative that's not described in the terms and conditions, it's kind of easy to get into great right. zone quickly. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's been the nature of, of understanding what is what is and what's not okay with Apple is sometimes the, their minds are not made. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we have been we have been very successful into uh, in in HTML5 games within one app prior to Web3, and it was something that was simply not not described uh, how it what is the compliant way. And I see a lot of similarities now in Web3 because there are many many cases that are simply not described whether or not Apple would like it. Right. <laughs> so so it's it's walking it's uh it's walking the what was currently available. Uh, quite carefully, to be honest. Uh, so uh, what what we're doing, and it's not only for Apple's compliance, but it's also for just the practicality is we have a lot of management of the crypto stuff, like the token, wallets, 
um, connecting external wallets, uh, managing tokens on web, and we have the gaming in mobile app. The gaming, right. we we have a lot of experience comparing the like the same game experience on web app compared to mobile app. Even if you have mobile app browser compared to native mobile app, the metrics of mobile native app are always better. Right. It's just, and even if you have completely the same experience, even if you manage to implement push notifications to web, it's just not the same. So there is a lot of value in people having the app installed on their phone right. and it's so smooth and just like the mobile web, mobile web is not there yet. So the, the division between gaming and app management of crypto on web so far uh, seems to be the recipe right and that's yeah. i think fairly clear in terms of what apple has like clearly articulated so far around web3 if that is that seems to be the, the piece of it um do you have something else to say warren or I no it's just uh it's it's just an interesting era we've touched on this before but we see different teams taking very different strategies you know some are like let's work with apple let's try to dig into the nuance of policy and make sure we launch something that's compliant and others are just sort of like let's just see if we can sneak it through <laughs> Let, <laughs> let's just see if we can get this through and if no one flags us for shipping a shipping a web3 game and the the lack of clarity from uh apple around this has, you know, I think made that a bit more confusing. I do think we're starting to get more clarity around this, but yeah, we're we're all writing the playbook, anyone working in the space right now. I think both approaches, working with Apple and trying to sneak things in, have the same common denominator. And that's like the problem, like the problem is that sometimes Apple does not know themselves. It It's not simply written yet. The decision right. has not been made. Right. And the moment it it is made, it is done, and it contradicts to what you have built, and in both cases, it's not great. So. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit of an aside, but you know, when I looked at the platform, it reminded me quite a bit of Skills. Um, is that a, is that a platform you're familiar with? Just because it's casual games, mm -hmm. it's competitive. It's mm -hmm. in that case, it's real money. They were they had a strange carve out where because it was real money, they basically got to do stuff that no one else could do. Is do you think that are you is is there a parallel there? Um, if so, I'd say, like... I'd say in some way, in some way, yes, uh, skills does not really develop any content. So they provide right. SDK, SDKs for any developer to run real money tournaments. Right. So there, there are this like monetization layer, let's say for games, we do create all of our games. We have created hundred right. games mm -hmm. over, over the past years, and there are 12 of them on arcade. Uh, so we do, we do invest in content for content creators right. and we do this like in a similar way the tournaments and matches um they use uh the token or partner tokens so the, in this way it is similar to skills but the content is really owned and driven by the team right and uh skills does not use in any way any any ownership any anything like right. like no nfts nothing like that goes around managing your own tournaments communities own yeah. piece of skills no yeah. <laughs> that, that creates some unique positioning for you and mm -hmm. for the platform i think is there's so many brands that are looking to get into web3 and web3 gaming but don't know where to start like i it immediately caught my eye my first time using the platform that there was a cool cats game and mm -hmm. i didn't have the context to realize i'm guess I, I guess that means your team actually developed that game for them yeah. right so it's mm -hmm. it's a really cool opportunity if you're a brand that would like to start developing a gaming presence, uh, yeah, and that's definitely not something that skills would do for you as actual game component, game game development component. Yeah, we we care about the content and we care about the brand, and um, we're also the the ones that are driving the uh, the audience, right? So, I think there is a difference in that.
No, that's great. Great transition. Okay, so I wanted to, uh, to talk about how you're driving the audience. So um, there's a couple of components to this question, but one is like, do you, what do you, are you able to use traditional mobile growth tactics such as traditional user acquisition? If so, to what extent? And we'll start there, but I also want to talk about, are there, are there also more web three growth tactics that you sort of dig into and, and use to grow your game? Okay, yes and no. <laughs> so the traditional uh, growth metrics, I think the, the, the most important growth metric is retention. Right. So unless the game has a strong long-term retention, there is no growth. It's just impossible. Like you're burning through users and that's right. traditional. Right. <laughs> they, right. they will probably stay forever, like what, five, three, five, five, six, seven. And so that is the same. Uh, app channels, um, not the same. Oh, we cannot advertise. We cannot advertise yeah. arcade the same way as we advertise our free-to-play game, for example, uh, because there are limitations on like what's okay. Um, cannot mention Twitter does not allow us to promote any tweet if the website right. mentions NFTs or cryptocurrency. Not possible. Facebook similar limitations. Google Which, sometimes. Yes, sometimes. Side no. note: We we found that <laughs> hilarious about Twitter because in some ways it's one of the most Web three friendly platforms. I don't and understand it. We see people advertising like shit coins and 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 uh, low quality NFTs, but you can't currently advertise uh, most Web three games with them. So it's like a yeah. major disconnect. Well, they do it organically. They just don't want. They want to make sure they're not making any money, and so they're making sure. They're <laughs> um, well, but Bazena, to dig into that a little more specifically, with with those comments in mind. Um, in the state of the business today, what are your main channels for new user adoption? Like, what are the main tactics that have actually grown your user base? I think that's a that's an ongoing quest to figure out what is the most efficient way, especially on the paid channels, on the organic channels. It's a it's like the, as I mentioned, the retention, the discovery. Um, who are the drivers among your early adopters that are helping you to bring in more audiences? So that is like on the on the borderline between web3 and web3 web2 because i think that's similar for all of the products if you want to build organic traffic there are certain ways how to do it through um through early adopters community discovery social media etc in some in some ways the paid channels are limited but also they are not not that great like if if you have to pay for the audience uh to come and install your app maybe you would like to do it in a little bit different way so you invest the value in the in the rewards in the content and uh and let the community bring in their friends to um to grow yeah i think it really aligns around how to what extent you're trying to what the, what with what philosophy you're trying to grow your business right if you're if your goal is long-term retention it makes sense to invest more in organic and really nurture these players over time so there is something that's like product driven and that's the retention and the natural virality of the of the product it doesn't have right. to be like virality as, as per se but you follow you follow the path of the user and there is always um the core there like the the core segment of or, of your users that are willing to do whatever makes sense or even whatever you ask them right so right. what is the right thing and what is the right moment when you ask them to do what and what is the value that you offer them for for doing that in in our case we're looking to give them a tool so they can run their own tournaments for their community and earn part of the revenue that we would be otherwise earning. So we're, we would be sharing the revenue with people who help us drive Arcade. Right. So this is something that where you look at the how the value is created by using the product and how instead of paying for installs, how you can share this value with people who help you drive the growth 
that's something that we're looking into. And I, I would not even call that Web3 tactic. I think that's right. like product-driven growth. Right, right, right. And aside from aside from that, of course, we have a we have a, a huge audience in, that plays our free to play games. That we're doing different experiments. What is it that we offer them? How do we invite them into Web three so they understand what's happening? <laughs> so that's the like the second part of the sentence is very important um, because you can like we have we have millions of users really, and like you can get them to click on somewhere and appear somewhere, but yeah. it, it does not really bring any value, right? So the the other part. For make to make them understand what's happening and understand like okay this is a wallet this is ownership etc that's that's the complicated part but we have a lot of we have a lot of people to <laughs> test that on Practice, yeah, nice. and, yeah yes and then there is the other side and that's the people who already understand everything and these are the partnerships like with cool cats and uh, atari nfts and sandbox you don't have to say anything you just say for people who hold this NFT, come here and there is something for you. They absolutely understand everything, but there is not that many of them compared right. to the overall gaming audience. So we have we have two we have two buckets. We have the large free to play and looking for um, good guidance to take them over to Web three, and then we have Web three partnership that that's bringing yeah, well, people with with events. Well put, and we've we've found on our end, yeah, we have to uh, do completely different strategies and tactics depending on which of those two buckets that you spoke to that you're going after. I, th I think you're going to have lots. Uh, it, it it strikes me that you'll have some unique opportunities as you have more content and more games on the platform. That mainstream user acquisition will probably get easier because the more games you have, the more you can feature different experiences and ads, and each of those can be an entry point. So you'll find different games that are uh, compelling entry points and have more fuel for that the more that um, comes to the platform. So it seems like that will only become more accessible uh, through mainstream channels as, as you get higher adoption and more games on the platform. Yep. Yeah, and one of the things I was impressed with was how easy it was to actually onboard and then link the wallet. Right. I mean, it's still kind of a pain in the ass just because it's always kind of like to, to link an external wallet. Not, but I mean, Frankly, arcade arcade is much is a lot less of a pain in the ass than a lot of the other apps that I've used who have tried to do this. It's still it's still a bit of a jump though. Well, I, I think there's something even more important, which is uh, separate from an app, you can be playing a game in a few right. seconds, and that's something that's mm -hmm. been you know every time I'm telling Xander about a new Web three game that I'm playing, it's like stepping him through like the twelve to fifteen steps before you can actually play. Yeah, you've gotten better. You know? <laughs> but uh uh yeah, that's that's one thing that I really appreciate, Bozana, is like you make it very easy to get to a fun experience and say you can add this other uh layer to your experience when you're ready, but it's not a wall before you start having fun. And I think that's great. So so looking forward, like what are the things that excite you the most in the next era? So, I mean, there's like, you can take this two ways. One is like, what do you have on your roadmap that you think is a real big unlock? Let's start with that one. Like what are, what are the things that excite you most about the next three, six, nine months? <laughs> so um, I'm excited about the upcoming partnerships and I cannot reveal them. So it oh. doesn't make sense to discuss them. <laughs> and I'm very excited about this. But um, in the in longer term, I'm, I'm looking forward to see Arcade decentralized in the way that we will no longer be running the events. We will see the community doing it for on their own terms. Right. And that's that's probably the most exciting part about it. And that's coming during 2023. Early on, we will do different um, alpha beta tests, and then we will be ready to roll out later that year. So I, I call that decentralized live ops mm. um, because we will only we will only focus on uh, games that enable various modifications, and then we will let people do the mods 
and set the custom contest themselves on their own terms with uh, with different prize pools, tokens, uh, NFT gating, really building different bridges between uh, between projects and enabling people to run that. So I'm yeah, super excited about that. That's super, super interesting. Um, one thing we think a lot about is how some of the Web3 tech is somewhat nascent compared to some of the Web2 tech. Are there any um, tooling or is there any sort of tooling that you wish existed to help accelerate your growth that, you know, for, for hypothetically a, a company trying to build web3 tools could, would be which should focus on <laughs> uh, it's it's changing pretty fast uh including the tools and analytics uh, maybe if i like out of all these options that pop in my mind uh, maybe the understanding the metrics and the analytics uh, i think there is still way to go as this yeah, is a conversation yeah. we started the podcast with and it's an, in understanding what it, what is the funnel and what do the on-chain metrics mean and like how to find the sense and how to compare and what is a good trend, et cetera, is a lot to be done. Cool. Um, one last question um, on, in this regard. Uh, who's, who else in the Web3 space is doing a really good job that you, that you look up to and goes like, those, those ones, we should we need to copy what they're doing. <laughs> or like, you know, they're doing, they're doing something interesting that we should at least like pay attention to and, and take a lesson from. So there is there is so much uh, so much going on, and uh, I I like both both um, sides. One of them is uh, people who are heavy heavy in Web three, and they're looking to build their company based on Web three principles, like right. people who are uh, building teams and analysts around uh, around economies inside games, like uh, breeders and uh, guilds and others that that build their um, their business based. Uh, on the ownership principle, like uh, I mentioned, the the ownership actually opens up new entrepreneurial op opportunities. I right. absolutely love seeing new models pop up. Um, then and then on the other hand side, seeing new uh, seeing uh, seeing game studios that have been creating games for decades, uh, and they're looking into embracing the new technology um, of blockchain inside their games. And playing with the idea, like how do we have to change the mindset? How, how does that change the game design? And seeing them go around that, it's it's great. I love it because that only tells me that we will have a lot of great games. Right. It, it, I already said that, but it takes years to create a great game. And there are many of them already in development. So I'm excited yeah. about this. Otherwise, of course, uh, the usual suspects, Sandbox is, is really cool. Gala games are doing an amazing job and there are many, many others. Yeah, awesome, great. Well, it was a really interesting discussion. Really appreciate all your insight on terms of the web, how you're bridging mobile, casual, and web three, uh, really exciting. Um, let us move to our last section, which is app of the week. We'll go to Warren first. Warren, do you have an app this week? Yeah, so I'm going to cheat this week. I've had a very uh, busy last couple of weeks, not a lot of sleep, not a lot of free time. So I'm going to cheat and talk about one of uh, the games that our team is working on right now. Um, and this is a game that I was part of their community since Mint, really love the project, and we're really excited to finally be helping them with their growth, uh, which is Battlefly. So uh, Battlefly is a game that's about to launch on the up as part of the, the treasure ecosystem on Ar the Arbitrum chain. Um, and tentatively looks like season one of Battlefly is going to start uh, next month. Um, so first, maybe just a couple quick things about why I, this project got on my radar and why I like the team. 
they did some really inventive things with um, viral organic marketing uh, when they first minted their collection. Um, they did something uh, where they basically let as many, I think it was like 90 communities design their own uh, battleflies that are actually part of the collection. And this led to like really nice organic snowball of growth um, with no paid marketing. I think they got up to like 100,000 uh, Discord uh, community members pretty quickly. Battlefly became number three uh, trending on Twitter. So I, I both like liked the, the vision for the game. And I always respect when someone invents a new kind of growth hack, particularly in our emerging segment of, of Web3. So now fast forward, they've been building a game. The game's about to launch. Uh, the game itself is uh, an auto battler uh, to be very reductive. Um, they have a really awesome aesthetic. It's basically like a post-apocalyptic uh, AI themed world where you uh, own these butterfly war machines that battle against each other in the arena. Um, as I get older and busier, I really appreciate auto battlers more. So there's like a meta game of um, collecting and upgrading uh, with different mods to your battlefly. You put them in the arena, auto battle and win uh, magic, which is the, um, the token currency of uh, the treasure ecosystem uh, in these battles. So it's worth checking out, keep an eye out for the first season. Um, and it also has a pretty reasonable cost of entry. The uh, the NFTs are only about $20 right now, and they will have a um, a way to play that doesn't require uh, NFT, um, but I probably shouldn't speak to the specifics of that quite yet. But yeah, it's one to keep an eye on the next few weeks. Cool. Uh, Oh, me? Okay, I'll go for it. Yeah, I'll go first. Go we'll keep you for last. You got to go. <laughs> yeah, one. That's for last. Um, mine's, a, mine's one pretty lame. Um, as anyone who listens to the podcast know, I'm officially out of apps. I've reviewed all the apps. And so this week, I'm um, doing a little mobile game called uh, Micro RPG. It is a casual RPG, on which is basically purely combat. has a gimmicky little mechanic where you sort of... How to describe it? Basically... A little reticle spins around and targets enemies, and you click attack when you want to attack. Very simple mechanics, but it has a metal layer, um, which allows you to upgrade stuff. Very simple, very mindless. I use this when I'm going to sleep. So if you want a good, stupid, mindless uh, app, check that one out. Dander, cool. I'm just happy it wasn't like the weather app this week. Yeah. <laughs> Your apps have been so badly. <laughs> <laughs> they really haven't. Uh, Bazena, do you have an app this week? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going to pick something non-gaming not non-web3 but Great. something that really cheers me up quite often is uh, is google photos uh with their functionality of reminding you how like what did you do one year ago eight years ago on that day mm -hmm. so there is this notification mm -hmm. like eight years ago today that like completely makes my day sometimes it's like i wake up and i see like okay this this happened eight years eight years ago and in various different ways like memories and progress and like how you're even like you can think back how you're like what you were thinking how you were feeling and yeah. how that evolved moving forward so that i don't know if that was intended by google but it's 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 doing it for me it's like a journal right <laughs> and it's not written but it's just the photos and keeps coming back to me like okay see like how things how things changed and evolved and also the search there is is brilliant right i don't know i don't know when when was the last time you tried but if you if you search for flower animal somebody like it can literally pull out of the tens of thousands of photo things that have that on on the photo and uh imagining how the uh like how the ai sees what i have in the cloud <laughs> this is like a really fun way to yeah, it's play wild. With that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sounds nice because it's like what facebook does except for it's your photos and not the ones on facebook because i think most of what i see what's on facebook at least for me i like don't really want to see and so it's like, <laughs> it's like a, a nice personal curated version of that Cool. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Bozena. If someone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about Gamey or Arcade, where can they do that? 
I think one of the one of the best ways is to shoot an email to something at gamey.com. It's either hello or Bozina. It's my name at gamey.com or um, see us on Discord or Telegram or Twitter or I'll everywhere. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, Warren, do you want to take us out? Yeah, thank you again, Bazana. This was a really fun and productive conversation. Um, you and your team are clearly thinking about a lot of the same challenges of bringing Web3 Gaming mainstream that our team is focused on. So thank you again. As Thanks always, our pleasure. Uh, as always, the podcast was brought to you by our team here at Uptick. Here at Uptick, we have built a uh, our own platform and provide all of the services to help games of all kinds grow. Uh, we're about 50-50 these days working on traditional uh, free-to-play PC mobile games and uh, Web3 games at all stages of growth. Um, and we love what we do. It's like the best job in the world. If you're making a great game and you're looking for some folks to help you grow it in a profitable, sustainable way, you can reach us at uptick.com. That's U-P-P-T-I-C.com. Talk soon.